Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where it is video game season. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beej. That's, that's how you hunt video games. That's what they all sound like now. Um, today, we're talking about Assassin's Creed Odyssey, because I've been playing it a lot, and we are in the height <laughs> of the video game release season, so like I've been churning through this one, because more are coming out that I want to get to, and I have very mixed feelings about it. Oh my god, you guys don't have any idea how mixed his feelings are. I mean, some of them have been on Twitter, if you've seen them, but oh my goodness, his the, the texts I get about this, they're, they're hilarious, and I'm just like, I don't... I don't know how you like. I I think I know how you feel about this game, but I don't like know how you feel about it. I mean, it, it's I have an idea of. I don't think you like the game very much from everything that you've said. Like, I think more of it lies on the negative end of the spectrum to where I feel like this is almost a masochistic playthrough. No, 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 no. Because Origins was like that. I felt like. Like, I, I didn't even beat it at first. I came back and beat it eventually because I was like, I've beat every other mainline game in the series. I should just do it. And I kind of made myself. Um, yeah. This one, it it's kind of like Origins. A lot of people are calling it Morigens, which is not a bad moniker for it, honestly. It's like Origins, but then they've expanded on a lot of things and they've tweaked things around. But something about this one, um, it, it feels like for every negative that i have there's like a positive to balance it out i did not feel that way with origins it was mostly just like me getting more and more angry with what they had done to the series um this one and this came out of like talking to you about it i think this one is like fun enough which is not a rousing (laughs) endorsement but um it's a game that like i keep playing because other stuff is coming but it's not out yet and, like, I look at the other activities that I have available to me right now, and I want to be playing a video game. It's just kind of the mood I'm in. So, like, I'm playing this one because it's good enough, right? But it's not fantastic. It doesn't go into, like, it's not going to be my game of the year. It's not even going to be in my top five. I know that. But it's, like, it's fun enough to keep me playing until the next thing releases. And I think that kind of summarizes where I'm at. I mean, I have three pages of notes here because I've been writing for the last three weeks trying to figure out how I feel about this game. <laughs> And usually that's the kind of feeling for a game that we have on mobile games or maybe a uh, maybe a Gamefly game that you're like, oh, I like that one well enough. I'll play 10 hours of it. But you've dumped like 50 hours into this, maybe even more at this point, And it's still fun enough. And so it's weird to me because that's something that that like the way I feel about Marvel Strike Force on my phone. That's fun enough. I don't have anything else that I really want to put my attention in. Like I don't want to pay that much attention to Spider-Man. So it's fun enough. And I don't usually think about AAA games in that way. That's okay. But that's exactly how I feel about it. Like it's if it wasn't attached to a series that I had such fondness for, I wouldn't have given it the time that I did. But now that I've like invested the time, I feel like it's good enough for me to keep doing it when I don't have something better to do. Um, right. It also has become, well, l- let's talk through a bunch of it first. And I'll let you know where I kind of like land at the end. Um, to backtrack to what it even is so or where i am i should probably contextualize like you said i'm like over 50 hours in the game um i finished the and i'm going to be spoiler free with like the story here but i got to talk about some of the structure and gameplay and like setting stuff so if you really really want this like to be pure probably don't listen to the episode um but i will not spoil any story things i promise so i finished the family storyline which is probably what i can say without being spoilery i finished the myth and legend storyline which again i'm kind of talking around spoilers there and i'm on the 
the last wing of the cultist storyline, which is kind of like a free form system that you can take in any order. I just have like one small wing of it left. So if you've played the game and you've played like into it a decent chunk, you know what all those systems are and you probably know like, okay, I've beaten most of the game at this point. Um, If you don't even know what the game is, I mean, it's Assassin's Creed, but they've been doing a lot with the series the last couple iterations that are really changing things up. This one is set in ancient Greece. It's during like the Greece versus the Spartans, that war that I always forget the name of the actual war, but it's the the Greeks versus the Spartans. And um, I knew it until you said it. <laughs> that it was in the back of my head. Like you you were talking about this, I saw it and I was like, hmm. And I'm like, Themyscira more like, no, that's Wonder Woman, dude. Like, no. Yeah, no. Um, like, there's no assassins, there's no creed in this game. So the title lies to you before you even boot up the game. Um, this actually takes like, place. I don't get that. Like that really drives me nuts. When you told me that, I got legit angry for a second like why like why do you make this a mainline assassin's creed game instead of a new ip yeah see that's where i don't understand because it feels like what they want to be doing is creating historical open world rpgs because that's what this game is it is not a stealth action game anymore which is what i was originally drawn to the series for i like stealth action games and the fact that they were setting it in like different historical places was really cool to me but like this feels like an origins did too they could have just started a new series there's nothing stopping them except that they want to keep tying into the assassin's creed ip because it can make them a lot of money oh of course yeah i mean there are no assassins in this game there's no creed this takes place before origins which i also think is really dumb like they call the game origins and then the very next game they release happens before that game so if this was just like right behind it or you know just right after even concurrent i've got it but i guess origins in that it's the origin of the creed maybe that that's where the 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 assassins actually come from and since this one's not tied to that it can still be a prequel to in terms of time but weird weird stuff man it is weird so i mean i immediately like greece a lot better than i liked egypt egypt was like way too flat and i think that was my biggest one of my biggest complaints last year from my initial reaction was there was no verticality the verticality in in this is so much better than origins and on top of it they increase the movement speed they increase the climbing speed like it's just easier to get around but there's also a lot more interesting places to get around to there's hills and valleys and i don't know there's just like topography that there really wasn't (laughs) before you know yeah and and i haven't i haven't actually played either of these games so i'm only going on what you and other people have said but everything i have seen about origins is that it's fairly flat like you don't climb on nearly as much stuff from just the 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 screenshots and videos that i've watched yeah and you know in origins it was like the biggest structures well not the biggest but like most of the time you'd hit a town and like most story uh, most of the structures are like two stories maybe three if you're lucky like this has every single town has like hills and they're all built on hills and then there's also like multi-level dwellings and then on top of that there's a bunch of temples and like like, you know, uh, places to the gods and giant statues, and there's just stuff to climb on, and I love climbing in games, so, like, this one works better for me. Um, Also, like I said, this isn't a stealth action game anymore. This is an action RPG, and this one has a lot more stealth options this time around because they built the skill trees in a different way than Origins, and, like, that was probably, like, again, one of my top complaints about Origins was there was no legitimate way to really just do, like, 
assassination, which is one of the fun things. Like, I like the stealth aspect and, like, the assassination aspect of the earlier games. This one, there are ways to do it somewhat. They still make you kind of go down, like, the you're going to have a lot of fights and there's going to be a lot of, like, the warrior path, which is kind of, like, the central pillar. But then the other two, you can be, like, hunter, so it's, like, bow, you know, basically, like, bow and arrow skills. And then the other one is assassin. And so, like, I maxed out the assassin tree before I did anything else, and I'm so glad I did because even though it doesn't go far enough back that direction for me it was so much better than last year's entry so much better than origins that i will take this over that any day so it's like i think what happened though is that um they finally got far enough into like the rpg space that my brain stopped thinking about it as a stealth action game where origins was such a like a jarring game in comparison that i never really got there and it always bugged me so i went into this one seeing it as an rpg and i liked it a lot better because of that um that being said do you remember one of my other biggest complaints last year was the leveling system yeah I do. I remember you just being it's slow and tedious and just kind of I I don't like this. So I think I said in one of our episodes that if I could buy my way out of it, I would. Yep. I put my money where my mouth is because I bought the experience booster on day one before I even <laughs> started this game. So oh, wow. So you didn't even see how the no, leveling was. No, I saw that there was a leveling system and that was enough for me. So I bought the experience boost that's just always on your character. You always get plus 50% experience. And I'm so glad I did. Like the leveling system was the most annoying thing about Origins. And um, it's just this kind of fixed it for me. It was still there. It was still... I, I wish it wasn't there in the way that it is, but it this helped alleviate that tension so much that I can mostly ignore the leveling system until I got to like the very high end and then like levels kind of mean a little bit more level by level. But um, the levels and the gear and the stats matter just so much in this game that I didn't want to have to deal with it. And this was a way to buy my way out. So it was like $10 and I just did it before I started the game. And I'm so glad that I did. And the levels in this one, if I'm remembering right, you said in the last game, they actually wouldn't let you assassinate people. That your level and damage actually indicated, like, even if you get the perfect kill on them, you're just going to end up doing damage and then having to fight them, right? Yeah, and this one is the same way unless you go heavy into the assassin uh, skill tree, which is what I did and why I did it. So, like, it actually became a way that I could play the game the way I wanted to. Not all the time, not 100%, but it was a lot closer to what I wanted it to be. So I'm glad that that was there. And like this game has level scaling in a way that the other one didn't. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's annoying. Like I really like that they level up all the side quests with you. So you don't have a bunch of side quests that are level one still sitting there when you're level 50 and they're just useless to you. Um, Sometimes it's annoying because you just want to out level something and the game won't let you, you know, so there's like two sides of that same coin. There's a lot of things in this game. There's a lot of systems. Um, There's ship combat and ship travel just like uh like black flag but it's a lot less interesting than black flag like it's serviceable it's not necessarily fun so i think from ubisoft i'm still like way more excited for skull and bones to get my ship combat fix from them and not so much for this game it was more something that i had to do a couple places in the game for the story and then i ignored it as much as i could and I don't like ship combat in games. So the fact that that's one of the the kind of you can skip it, that it's not a major part of it would work for people like me, that it has to be an absolutely fantastic uh, mini game like that where where it it really is 
engrossing for me to want to play through it that a lot of the times I don't like stuff like that. Like in Nino Kuni 2, I really hated the strategy battles. Well, not not even necessarily strategy battles. They were just the army battles that they made you do that were I just hated them. That I hated those and I don't I don't like ship combat in games like this either. Usually it'll either have to be a full game dedicated to that or it just feels watered down and pointless to me. And I like ship combat, but it has to be done really well. And it's it's done okay in this game. But I think a lot of the systems in this game are okay, but not amazing. Um, right. The combat probably falls there for me, too. So every time I was forced to just get into, like, a straight-up fight, it was kind of like, okay, yeah, I mean, I'll play through it. Like, I didn't hate it enough that I bounced off the game, but I also wasn't enjoying those combat encounters. Yeah. It was just something to do to keep moving with the game. Um, one of the things that, like... I kept running into was just new systems. And I feel like this goes on for the first like 25 or 30 hours of the game is that <laughs> there are just new systems in the game that you keep hitting. And you know that I like systems when they're elegantly yep. intertwined like Hitman from last year. Right. Like, if oh, the man, you and Hitman, if y'all didn't listen to our Hitman episodes and maybe the few episodes leading up to that, y'all need to because this boy loved him some Hitman. Well, I think it was probably just one of the best examples that I've ever run into of systems that work really well together. So when I'm trying to explain right. what I mean to people, that's a really good shorthand for me to use. Um, so, yeah, that's a good episode. You can go listen to like an hour and a half of me talking about that with you last year. But unlike Hitman, that had elegant systems that I enjoyed, this has a lot of systems, but they feel disconnected and like stitched together. And... It's oh. just kind of like, oh, like sometimes you have to engage with them. Sometimes you don't. Um, but I'm really glad that I grabbed that experience boost so that I could focus more on the main story and less on the side activities. Like uh, another way to think about it is that like in Spider-Man, right? Just like a month ago when Spider-Man came out, mm -hmm. every time I unlocked a new activity, I immediately dived into it and I wanted to explore it. And the way I play that game is not the way I typically play an open world game. Every time I unlocked any side content in Spider-Man, I beat it 100% before I moved on with the story. Like, that is side content working at its peak for me, specifically, right? Yeah, that is something I never do that I haven't done. Like, I will go out of my way in Spider-Man to get things that are in the direction-ish that I'm going, but I won't go through the entire map and track down just for this one particular system like the, with the side quests and things like that uh, that's just how I tend to play games which I think is the way you usually do it it is that's and usually what I do um, but like uh, Spider-Man was an outlier in the best kind of way um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey is the exact opposite. Where okay, that was what I was going to say. Does it did it make you do that same? Like, did you go collect all the backpacks immediately? No, it's it was the complete opposite. Every time I hit a new system or side activity in Assassin's Creed, every time I unlocked it, I was just running the mental math of like. Do I actually need to engage with this system or can I safely ignore it and move on? And anytime oh. I can move on, I would just do that. I would just keep moving. So, um. One of the things is that the game is just massive. Like, it is huge. I've played 50 hours, and there's, like, more than 50 hours, and there is so much untouched. There are so many just question marks still left on my map. There are all of these side quests in my quest log that it's like, am I ever going to do these? Probably not. Um, it This game doesn't respect your time. And if I were a teenager, again, with all the free time in the world... I would probably have a much different opinion of this game. And if you're somebody who buys like one or two games of year uh, a year and you really want to get your money out of your game, this is great. 
but like that's not me like i want to experience the game and i like beating games and then i like moving on to the next thing um it's rare for me to want to just spend like hundreds and hundreds of hours in one game so the fact that this game the intro area where you spend time before seeing the title card it's somewhere in the like four to seven hour range before you ever see the intro title card to the game wow that doesn't even compute i've had it maybe be an hour before where you go through the initial area and you take your time you kind of get invested but four to seven hours that seems like you're just playing the game and all of a sudden it's like oh by the way, you have so much more to do, be intimidated. Yeah, and that's on the first small island. So once I saw that title card and then I actually looked at the rest of the map that you can see at that point, I went, oh, okay, I'm not going to do all of this. It was like, what's the fastest uh, way through here? You know, it's just there's all these systems. There's all of this stuff to do. It's not super cohesive, but it's massive in scale. Like, it's just something to be aware of, right? Like people will react to that in different ways. For me this year, it was kind of like, okay, I'm going to go crit path and I'm going to push my way through it anyway because I'm having enough fun here. I could see myself in a different state of mind or in a different year, either completely bouncing off of this game or if I needed a place to just dump a ton of time for whatever reason, I could also see myself going the other direction and being like, oh, there's so much here. I'm so glad I picked it up. So your mileage may vary there. Um, yeah, because for me, whenever everything you tell me, this seems like a game that you should have bounced off of. That From everything you've said, I'm like, this seems like a Gamefly game, except it's an Assassin's Creed game, so if that makes any kind of sense. It does, yeah. So let me talk about some of the things that I like, because there's a bunch of stuff that I actually like in this game. I like any time that you can actually do stealth segments and use the stealth skills in the game. Like, right. those were great. Anytime I got away with that without actually having to get into a fight, I loved doing that. I loved the main character. I went with Cassandra, and I'm so glad that I did because playing as a buff female was super cool. Like, it's not something that we typically get to do in games. And I think I've talked about this more and more in the last year, but anytime you give me an option that's not just a white male protagonist, I'm almost always going to go with another option because to me, it's more interesting. Because I am a white male protagonist in my own life. I don't need that in my escapism i would rather see something new you know um and playing as like a buff female was just awesome like it's cool to see more body type representation but also just like she's she's a badass and like her voice actor's great or her actor like all the mocap for her and all of the acting that happens in this game um i was more invested in her as a main character than i think i've ever been in any of the other assassin's creed characters ever oh wow which is one of the things that actually pulled me through the entire game was cassandra which is why i wanted to mention her i'm glad i picked her i mean i did watch a bunch of videos before i started which i don't typically watch a ton of like pre-release media but once i found out there were two choices i did watch a bunch for assassin's creed because i wanted to see the voice actors and the acting and pick the one i liked better and i just right. liked her by like I, I don't even know like just a huge factor and does the story change based on which one you pick it does slightly yeah there are differences but part of that is also that like there are choices throughout this game that matter and this is the other reason that i was pulled through the entire main story and i stuck with it is because every time i was playing um like the dialogue part of this game i was having fun because you make choices and they might not immediately pay off but they always pay off they always do something to either the quest you're on or the people you're around or it could be like major things that happen in the main story like whether characters live or die or get cut out of the story for like two-thirds oh. of the game like everything you do matters 
And the more I did it, the more I realized that the closest thing that this dialogue system is to is the original Mass Effect trilogy, which I loved for the dialogue. Like, this was giving me so many, like, early, not early Bioware, but, like, that that Mass Effect era Bioware vibe, right? Like, that right. kind of game. And I love that kind of, give me choices, make them matter, make the dialogue interesting. That's how I felt playing through the main story of this game. And it's probably okay. my favorite part of the game. That's fantastic. Like, that that makes me really happy because with Andromeda, it was so not good. Like, the last yeah. few Bioware titles have been really disappointing. So that makes me really happy that even though this isn't a Bioware game, that that gameplay is still there. It is, yeah. And, you know, they're leaning more and more into it. I hope they even take it farther in the next game. But, like, this was, this was great. It scratched that itch for me. Um, there are also a lot of, like romances but romances in quotes in this game <laughs> whereas like in a bioware game you actually have to work on the relationship and then there's like a meaningful relationship there usually yeah. this is more like if you pick a couple of the options with the heart next to them a few times in a row you just get to have a quick fling with like all sorts of different people all around greece like you can have oh. people on every different island in every different region like it, cassandra will like sleep around if you want her to or alexia or whoever you pick whichever character you pick um they're not discriminating they'll sleep with anybody if you choose those dialogue choices so oh, that's the way my star wars the old republic character was my sith inquisitor was a was a real ladies man all across the uh, the galaxy every planet <laughs> i went to it was like it, because none of them mattered unless they were in one of your companions in that game so i was like yeah i'll flirt with you why not yeah and well and like to tie into some of these like side or these dialogue choices right at some point pretty early on after i saw that title screen i was like okay i'm gonna crit path this game i want to see the end of it i want to see the story because i like cassandra and i like the story that's in the main like the main thrust of it so um i played that and at some point in there I got distracted and I went down a whole side quest chain and completed an entire island before I realized what I had done, even though I knew the entire time that it was not the main quest. And hmm. I can't think of the last time that I had decided to crit path a game and then I got distracted by a side quest. So that's true. The writing and the story in this game is good. Like in a lot of places, it's super well done and it's very interesting. Um, this is also one of the only games that I feel like I've ever actually done like role playing for my character usually a character's choices are my choices you know like if it's a game where you can kind of pour yourself into it by proxy like especially mass effect you know i'm thinking about that because like bioware has been on my mind or uh kotor like you know even the stuff you were talking about like bioware games in general like usually i'll end up doing a pretty like good playthrough because i'll make the choices that i would make as a person and I didn't do a bad playthrough. I didn't do like an evil playthrough with Cassandra, but she's a mercenary. And so I went into it choosing choices for her that I thought made sense for her character that are not what I would choose as like if I were in that situation. And I can't think of any other game that I've ever done that with on my first playthrough. Like I'm struggling to think if there's anything else I've ever done that with. And see, I'm the opposite of that in games. Like I, it's not that I will role play the character or anything, but because I'm not a role player like in MMOs or something. But when there are dialogue choices that are either good or evil and will lead you down into this one particular kind of character, I will choose generally one particular side and stick with 
that with only occasional variations based on the individual situation. That like if I play any if I want to play an evil character, I don't care what the situation is usually unless it makes me feel ooky as a person. <laughs> but it's rare that I will I will play one based on me whenever I'm going through. Yeah, and I, like I just I didn't do that this time. Like I played it based on Cassandra, she's a mercenary, right? Like, she wants to get paid for her work. She's got to get paid. Right. And she's traveling all around. So, you know, if she has a fling in every other city, like, eh, that's okay. She's, you know, that's the way that she rolls. Um, right. And, like, there are just, there were places where I would, like, break that mold for her because the main storyline is all about family. So it's like, anytime I encountered a situation around family, I would be less demanding or not use, like, the intimidation choices or um, let people just not pay me and do stuff for free, Right but only in these like very limited contexts that I thought fit with her character. Um, And then there are other places where like if somebody was a member of the cult because of the way the cult ties into the main story, I'm not going to say much more than that, but because of the way it ties into the main story, I just kind of made that character choice that like anytime she runs into the cult, she will kill them. Like even if they have a good reason for doing what they did or if they have a sob story, like she doesn't care. She's just going to kill all the cult members. So things like that, like I was making character choices for her in the situation that again i would not make as like me as a human which it was just a different experience for me which is good i mean for a game like this that you've been ambivalent about and you're not really sure where the series is going for it to have a different kind of play style for you is a really good thing like this may be an indication of where the series will get in another two years once they've worked the bugs out and figured out what they're going to focus on yeah if they lean more into that the choices the rpg the dialogue trees making things matter and then they also keep working on making the stealth more viable i could come to love this series in its new form i'm not there yet right i mean obviously but origins almost made me put down the series forever i'm so glad i picked up this game because now i can see a path forward where like okay if they keep developing x y and z um maybe i'll love this game again or this series again in a completely different way in a couple games from now like they're on the right path you know and the thing is i beat the game kind of like i i think i'm almost near the credits but i haven't seen any credits so when you get to the end you get to a trophy that says and again i'm not spoiling things here but it says complete chapter nine plus epilogue and i got that trophy but then i didn't get credits and Hmm. it was at the end of the family storyline but then as i started like digging around and seeing what else there was i realized that like the cult part of the game which seemed like it was just a system built on and it was just kind of a menu that you could choose to interact with or not right this whole other system i think you have to beat that to see the credits and not only that but there's this other quest that I didn't even realize was a big thing that I just stumbled into after I had beaten the game. Like, I feel like it should have been part of the main storyline. And it's like the myth and legends, like, you know, um, in all the pre-release media when they were talking about, like, Atlantis and, like, Atlantis yeah. DLC. Okay, so it's that. It's the way that Atlantis ties into, um, like, Cassandra's adventure. And it's super, super interesting And I don't know why it wasn't made part of the main story that you actually have to complete. Mm. It's this whole side thing. And then if you go far enough down it, you're like, oh, this is a huge chunk of story that's extremely important. And there's (sighs) the hard part about this is I don't want to spoil it. Like, that's one of the things that can get the most spoilery here. If you go down that path, though, it it gave me. okay, so. The Assassin's Creed series, there's always been in the Animus and out of the Animus, right? And you know the basic Mm -hmm. premise of the... Okay. Yeah, yeah, I do. I don't know if other people do or not. 
Okay, so basically, like, when you're in the Animus, like, you can... This is all just sci-fi gobbledygook, right? But the core conceit of the game is that you can use, like, people's DNA to access their ancestral memories. And that is in this machine called the Animus. And over time, the Animus has gotten smaller and more powerful and, like, more portable and all this stuff. But there is in the Animus, which is what you think of as, like, the moment-to-moment of the Assassin's Creed, it's playing that character in that time period in the, you know, history, basically. And then there's out of the Animus, where there's a completely different main character who has been inside of the Animus. Like, you are controlling the game through them, through this Animus. And that main character out of the animus has not been interesting to me since the original Assassin's Creed trilogy, like one, two, three with Desmond. And even then Desmond was never really that interesting. Um, This game is the first time that I was like actually super invested in it by the end of the game. And it's because of that Atlantis storyline. Okay. Um, So you actually are do still doing animus stuff in this one. You're not, you're just not part of the assassins. No, you are. You're an assassin, but you're a completely different character. You're this character called Layla, and she used to work for the Templars. Now she's working with the assassins. All of the stuff in like modern day is still moving forward, like after the Desmond storyline. Oh, okay, okay, I got you. See, yeah. I was assuming through all of it that even that you didn't even deal with the Animus in this one because you were just Cassandra. That you were no. just in ancient Greece. No, every every single one of the games has had some kind of Animus conceit, you know, to to one extent yeah. or another, and it just hasn't been interesting for a really long time. This is the first time that I've been interested in it since Assassin's Creed 3, which has been a long time. There's been a lot of games between there and here. Yes, a bunch. Yeah, and, you know, like, the DLC for Atlantis is the thing that I'm most interested in in this game. Like, I wish it was out right now because if I had finished that storyline and it was available, I would have bought it in a heartbeat because I want to see what happens next with what's going on there. Um, That's probably all I can say about that wing of the story without getting into spoilers but they do some really cool things with like myths and legends and ancient greek myths specifically and they tie it back to the isu which are like the the people who created humanity or like the other alien race that you've been interacting with throughout the series out of the animus or sometimes through character it gets weird it's a really weird series i haven't gotten into that part yet so that's interesting there's aliens yeah there have been aliens since the beginning of the series and you interact with them and they talk to you through the character through the animus and then they're talking to your character that's out of the anime it's like levels of matrix matrix inception you know that Hmm. it, it feels overdone sometimes but i feel like they finally are starting to do interesting things with it with this atlantis storyline interesting because i had no idea like through everything i've I've only played part of two like i never finished up assassin's creed 2 and i've talked to you about it I, I tend to stay up on games whether i play them or not never once heard anything about aliens not <laughs> yep. one single time there's there's stuff there yeah again i don't want to go into spoilers because if you're one right. of the people that are really into that part of the series you want to experience it for yourself so i'll leave it there but i will probably pick up the atlantis dlc when it comes out which I didn't, if you had asked me 10 hours, 20 hours, 30 hours, even like 40-ish hours into this game, if I would ever spend another like dime on it, I would have said no. And then somewhere between hour 40 and hour whatever I'm at right now, I found that Atlantis storyline and I beat the whole thing and then I saw what they were doing and I said, I need the Atlantis DLC immediately. So Uh... I, I can't believe how buried in the game that stuff is because it's so interesting 
I I don't know. They're they're making the decisions they're making. So I guess that's that. Um, and maybe that's not done. I mean, that may be part of it. Since it's DLC, they didn't add it in earlier because they're they're either developing it or they uh, they may not have wanted people to hit a roadblock early. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, it's I guess it's kind of a tangent, but it's a very interesting tangent. I just wish they would have incorporated it a little bit better to the rest of the game. Again, this is disconnected systems, right? Like that's very on par for the rest of the game. It's super interesting, but it's hard to find and it's not really as connected as it should be if you think about it. Yeah, that was so, the next thing. I was like, is it skippable? Like if you weren't oh yeah, exploring, no, would I, you have missed this? I did miss it. I missed it for I beat the entire like, you know, chapter nine plus oh, epilogue. Okay. I saw that trophy before I ever even knew it existed. Like I didn't okay. know this existed until like hour forty or forty five, something around there. And could you have accessed it earlier? Yes. You couldn't have beaten it earlier. You kind of need to be near max level to beat it. But you could have found it and been interested in it earlier. But I just didn't. Like, they just didn't put it in front of me in a a way that was super clear. Yeah, that makes makes sense. Yeah. um, So, again, there's a lot of things I like. There's a lot of things I don't like about this game. Um, Someone online asked me my least favorite thing about the game, which was an insightful question. I hadn't really asked myself. But the answer was pretty quick. Um... It's combat, like combat is just, I don't love what they're doing, and by proxy, the leveling system and how the leveling system impacts gear and weapons and combat, it's like that whole thing tied together. Um, the flip side of this was my favorite part of the game. This, the main story, the dialogue system, the RPG aspects, like that part of the RPG, right? The choices, not the leveling side of things. Like, I, I love the dialogue, I love the choices, I love the main story. And then... Also, this turned into a great podcast and audiobook game after I finished the main story and there was no more like core narrative because I could just put in a headphone and listen to an audiobook or a podcast and just play for hours. Like it was, you know that I search for games like this. I know you don't, but you know that I right. do, right? Yeah, and I don't. Like I invest. Like I work without sound. I play games invested right there. Like I don't have anything going on ambiently that it is ambiently i don't know the the word i I suck and like i don't have anything going on outside of whatever it is that i'm doing generally so that's an alien concept to me yeah and i mean i i like it it's something to do it's a little bit of brain activity a little bit of like doing something with my hands while i'm listening to something i listened to two audiobooks and caught up on all my podcasts while i was playing through this game so wow it's it's like it's a good thing i look for games like this so that is where the game sits for me now it's kind of like if i had something better to do with my time i probably would have bounced off of it by now but it's so good for like listening to podcasts and listening to audiobooks and all of the other games i'm interested in come out soon but they're not out yet so i'm still playing this basically um i think i'm going to wrap up the last wing of that cultist storyline tonight and see if i actually get to credits i kind of expect that i will and then i would not be surprised if this game just gets put on pause until after the spider-man dlc coming out the red dead redemption 2 is out later this week and it's it's just going to go on my back burner as like a podcast audiobook game until that Atlantis DLC comes out. Do you think that because of everything that's going on and with the Atlantis DLC and how you like to to play this one while listening to other things and kind of consuming other media, do you think this one's going to be a platinum trophy in the long run? I don't know. That's uh, we'll have to leave that as an open question and see if I decide to do that. I I'm not committed to anything like that right now. Makes sense. Yeah, that's about it. Okay, so I'm conflicted on this one, but overall, I like it way, way, way better than I liked Origins at all. And then next week, I'll probably be on to other games, but I liked it. Like, I spent a lot of time with this game, enough to enjoy enough of it. 
That's not a rousing endorsement. Um, probably time. <laughs> I know. When, the... when you told me this morning that you would have bounced off of it if you had anything better to do, I'm like, man, best review headline ever. Yeah. It's just really. like, it's good enough if you don't have anything else to do. That's, it's true. It's so true. So <laughs> um, if you guys have any questions, again, uh, we're doing our Q&A episode like we normally do around Thanksgiving. Keep sending them in. Like, we love the ones we've been getting. Keep sending those our way. And then uh, Geeky Off for the Week. So we've got a Patreon. I talk to you guys about this every once in a while, but if you want to support the podcast, help us with uh, the expenses that we've got, it would be fantastic if you would hit up patreon.com slash geek to geekcast We have some nifty little uh, rewards on there and little patron tiers, which would be great. I'm trying to come up with a couple of others, so if you have any ideas, please throw them at me and see. Uh, we'll see what's feasible for us and our schedules. And also, uh, one of the tiers is giving y'all a real nice thank you and and this week we got Colton Bliss. Colton Bliss, thank you very much for being a patron and being such a wonderful human being. Colton Bliss. <laughs> um, also on the network this week, uh, Geekitude. Joe had an episode where he was catching up with Brian from the Average Geek Show, so that was super interesting. And then Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. They had their 100th episode. Congrats, ladies. Good what, job. What? I love it. Um, and the the special, they haven't told anybody what they were going to do, but the special for the 100th episode was Katie showed up in Ireland and they did an episode live together and live streamed it. It was super yeah. cool. Yeah, it's awesome. I've known that they were going to do that for a little while. Uh, Katie and I have been talking on Slack, and so it makes me really excited that they finally got to do this. Yeah, me too. Um, with that, it's time for Weekly Geekery, where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. What'd you do this week? Uh, so I've been, I actually watched Jigsaw. Have you, or you're not a horror guy. So I was about to say no. if you've seen it. And the answer is, of course, you haven't seen it. I know it. what it is, uh, but no, I have not seen it. I've always loved the Saw movies, right? So I don't, I don't know why. Like I, they came out. I do know why they started coming out when I was younger in my early twenties. And it's something that, you know, they're incredibly gory and terrible. And I talked about this on the horror episode a while back. And, but I, I really keep up with them. And about every October, I watch at least one Saw movie. I didn't realize that I did this until last year, but I realized that I saw a I saw a saw on Hulu or Netflix or Prime or something. I was like, oh, I need to watch that. It's October. And I did the same thing this year where it's just like, yep, I got my Saw movie out of the way, except there was a new one this time. So anytime there's a new one, I'll make sure that I've seen it because uh, I missed this one in the theater last year. And it's pretty good. It's free on Prime and Hulu right now. It's uh, I liked it better than a lot of the others in the series, actually. Um, like, Saw 4 is terrible. And it's, there are some of them that are just not good. And this one is a pretty good one that I don't regret, and I'll probably watch again, maybe next year. Um, really, my dad and I found the first one on Sci-Fi, like, back when it was just Saw. Like, I didn't know really what it was, and we sat on the Sci-Fi channel I don't remember if it was the Sci-Fi Channel or the Siffy that that it is now, but I uh, we watched it and it was like awesome. And so the only 3D movie that my dad ever saw before he died was Saw Six, and I don't know whether that is a disappointing fact or an interesting fact, but it makes me really like the Saw movies because it's just like I, I, I want to say, oh, I'm sorry, Dad, but also like. 
Eh, that was a good one to have seen. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so, but I just, I just like the Saw movies, and I did see that one. Um, the, say, see that one this year. And uh, if you're kind of ambivalent about them, uh, like I am on some of them, Jigsaw, yeah, it's a good one. I liked it. Uh, a little predictable. I figured out what uh, part of what was going on. And actually, there's one part of the movie that I knew what was going to happen. Uh, so, I, uh, because my wife is a woodworker, and I knew how some table saws work, <laughs> and so it was like I know what that one's gonna do uh because of expensive table saws and uh it was it was fun uh, i'm still playing those little 5v5 arena games i found a dc one to go along with my marvel and star wars one um it's not very good uh <laughs> on that one like it's not like it's just not good i don't play it very much at all but sometimes i do and uh the marvel one is still the best of all of those like i'm actually playing the marvel one every day multiple times to be able to build up uh build up a roster to do all the stuff like i just find it fun um it's also the prettiest of them which may have something to do with it but the systems also work better together it's not a bunch of different things where they keep introducing new stuff over and over they had to keep grinding other stuff up it's this one thing that you're doing and it just keeps getting more complex like like most games do instead of like okay now here's ship battles and now here's mod battles and just all this other stuff and here's atlantis Um, and here's Atlantis. It's like I have not run into Atlantis in Marvel yet. Okay. Um, I, I can, I suppose, and they could put Namor in. Um, please don't. And uh, But I'm still playing those. And then I've been reading a lot of comics, actually. That actually made me, like I said before I went to Spain, that I downloaded Marvel Unlimited. And it's only been recently that I've really dug in on it, other than just a few issues here and there. And I really have been prepping for the Spider-Verse. Uh, they have a, a banner on, on Marvel Unlimited right now that says, like, uh, prepare for Spider Geddon, and it's it's really cool. Um, that Spider Verse was one of my favorite Spider Man storylines that they've ever done. I know you've read it, and I know that we've had a couple of questions on Slack about it recently, and about you know which ones to read. And so you can check out this Road to Spider Geddon uh, banner saga thing that they've got on uh, Marvel Unlimited to get kind of an idea about it. And so I've read a, I've read all of that now, and I've read one that they did with a time called the Clone Conspiracy. And so this is the Jackal again. This one is uh, like when I'm like. 12 years old reading the clone saga where uh, it ties still in with uh, some of the Spider-Verse characters and all the ramifications of it because it came just after it. And the main thing that I don't like with it and some of the stuff that I'm still reading right now is that it's still dealing with Doc Ock and the Superior Spider-Man thing. And I don't like that. I don't like reading about... I, there's something about Doc Ock's dialogue. There's something about that whole storyline that I just don't enjoy. So the, them tying it in with the clone conspiracy was just kind of eh for me. But later on in the next storyline, you uh, this is kind of a spoiler, so uh, give me like 10 seconds. Uh you get to see Doc Ock in a new suit um, and a new body and a new spider clone. And his new suit's actually pretty awesome. It looks like a mix between uh, Cosmic Spider-Man and Dr. Octopus, like the, the, or the Iron Spider, Cosmic Spider-Man, and Doc Ock. Like, it's really cool. And so I'm hoping that it sticks around, actually, because it looks way cooler and still ties in with what they've done for the character. So I am actually interested in what they're doing with that, even though I hate the way he talks. Have you read those? Have you gotten yeah, through I, that part of it? I tried. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it as much as you did. Um, 
I think when I was reading through, I read a little bit like before the Doc Ock stuff, and then I picked up again after. And I liked what um, I liked what the whole Doc Ock storyline did to set Peter up afterwards, because then he was in a super interesting place where he hadn't been in control of his body or clone or whatever it was for a long right. time. But Doc Ock had given given him like so many things because he was impersonating him for a long time. So I liked the stuff afterwards, but I didn't particularly like that storyline i get that i really do like it's uh, this one's okay but well i hope hopefully this one will pick up even more and i get to see spider gwen a little bit and then i'm going to read more spider gwen stuff after i finish this up yes spider gwen Um, is great spider gwen's awesome and uh so iron fist season one i watched iron fist season one it's not that bad i uh kind of liked it uh I think he said I'm the Iron Fist and I'm the Immortal Iron Fist a few more times. But uh, I think mainly the reason that it's not that bad is because I have context of Defenders and Season 2. And I care about the characters and all of the events from that. Um, I still think I would have bounced off hard even if I had tried to continue and maybe not liked Season 2 as much. If I would finished Season 1, because of what I knew happened... I could go back to season one, watch it, and see, okay, here are the things that you've done for course correction. I see the character development across these series now. I can see that they had a plan to move from point A to point C here. It was just a stupid plan. <laughs> that that okay. it, it's like that it it makes complete sense watching all three of these seasons and knowing where point A to, to the end point is. Like I I know exactly. They made Danny a legitimately likable character by the end of season two. He's still not there in season one, really, and not even in the Defenders most of the time. But you start seeing it in the Defenders, and it's like, I don't know why, like, there's a difference in writing an unlikable character and an unsympathetic character. And they made Danny unlikable rather than unsympathetic. And so that was their big issue, that they didn't make him somebody that we cared about because we hated watching him, if that makes any kind of sense. Yeah, I, I I have a hard time believing you. Like I do trust you, but like I, I, only having seen the Defenders and season one, it's just like it's just not a good character at all. I understand. Like I completely understand. And when season two starts, Danny has actually stepped back from Rand and has taken a job moving furniture because he needs to uh, to to actually figure out who he is as a person. And so they actually start on that note after the defenders of okay he's this in the beginning of iron fist one you know he's this zen master who loses his chill all the time and and we were all like that you you don't you don't know what that word means dude and by the end with iron fist season two it's gotten him through that anger those anger issues that he's been dealing with that were coming up in season one that they just didn't know how to address so better writing and better show running would have done really well but the one thing that this has done is i'm going to look up and see what the actual iron fist storylines that these pulled from are and see where they go in the future because the way that season two ended if they're not pulling a defender season two where they tie in some of these canceled series like iron fist and now luke cage got canceled i'm 
going to have to read it to know what happens next, at least in a general sense, because the very last scene of season two was awesome. But yeah, they canceled Luke Cage, maybe prep for Disney streaming. I don't know. Uh, I don't like season two of it nearly as much as season one. I haven't even finished it yet, but we'll see. I'll eventually finish it. And today I actually started Daredevil season three. Oh, um, cool. but I'm about three episodes in. Um, it's good. Like it's Daredevil. It's exactly what you would expect out of Daredevil season three. Um, it it is brutal. The fight scenes are brutal. Like I love the martial arts in Iron Fist, and I love Jessica uh, and the fight scenes there. But there's something about Daredevil's mix of that kind of brawling and martial arts that they're just so much more fun to watch than any of the other fight scenes in the Netflix Marvel movies. Oh like, yeah, by Netflix far. Marvel shows. It's like, and they still are. Like season three is still holding that bar up, and uh, the way they brought him, you know into season three from the defenders was really interesting and uh basically what you would expect out of a comic book movie a uh, comic book tv show but there is a nun who is a recurring character and i can't remember her name like maybe maggie um she's fantastic like she is my favorite character in this show right now just for the way that she talks to matt that she is just this no-nonsense kind of dry uh very faithful loyal caring compassionate nun who takes absolutely zero of his crap and it's it's wonderful like i love her and if you watch daredevil season three for any reason watch season one just to see this character like she's she's great so That's kind of what I've been doing lately. Nice. No, a lot of Marvel stuff, but I'm glad that you've been enjoying yeah. it. Like, obviously, you're on a Marvel kick, but in a good way. Um, yeah, in a good way. I'm not really going overboard with a lot of it. It just happens to be what I'm reading right now, and that's where TV that's new is what's on. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I tried one mobile game in the last week. I tried the Reigns. So, like, I know I've talked about Reigns before. Yeah, you, know, you have. Um, there's a new one out that's Game of Thrones, so I played that for a while. It was pretty fun, but it's kind of it's more Reigns, but Game of Thrones themed. I don't have a whole lot to say about it except that it exists, and if you're into that kind of thing, check it out. Um, I did listen to two whole books because, again, Assassin's Creed turned into a really good podcast and audiobook game after I beat the main story. So I listened to Smoke and Iron by Rachel Kane, which is part of the Great Library series. So it's the latest one. It's book four. And I still love that series. Um, it's great. Did you read the last one or which no, book did I have you not read on? the very last one. I've read books one and two. Okay, but so I haven't two read more now. So oh, there's one, a fourth one. Yeah, that's this one. This is book four. Oh, it just came goodness, out. Goodness, I had no clue there was a fourth one. Yeah, so no, and, I'm way behind. And it says that the next one is going to be the conclusion. So book five okay. should wrap it up. Um, but yeah, it's it's a really good series about uh, the Great Library of Alexandria and what happens if they've basically been suppressing technology for like thousands of years and they control all the information in the world. It's it's super interesting. Um, if you guys are interested in it at all, the first book in it is called Ink and Bone, and I think both of us highly recommend it, right? Yeah, the the first two that I've read are fantastic. I just I knew the third one was out. I didn't know there was a fourth one. So uh, so yeah, we y'all get on it. Yeah, so Smoke and Iron was great. Um, I just I want the fifth one now. I want to wrap it up. I want to see where it ends. Um, I also listened to The Consuming Fire because you told me that it was out. I didn't even know <laughs> yeah. that until you brought it up last week. But it's the Interdependency series by John Scalzi, and I always love Scalzi stuff. But yeah. um, book one in that is The Collapsing Empire, and it's that sci-fi series where, like, it's – 
a whole interconnected empire and they have like this faster than light way of traveling through these certain flows and the flows start breaking so it's all about what happens to their empire as those start to break down and like all the consequences of it it's super super interesting so i just finished that one actually today um you like book two because i haven't started it yet i realized as i went out to run today that i hadn't downloaded it so i had to wait on getting it but i've now done so but i'm excited to get into it because the first one is fantastic yeah and no, how is like the second one yep it's okay. good um i mean it obviously like builds on the first one but it's it's good. oh yeah yeah so if you guys are interested in that one the first book is called the collapsing empire and if I, did, I don't remember if i mentioned it last week or whenever it was i told you that it was out um for those of you who are listening as well it's kind of like dune except it's interesting um <laughs> it, it, it it's scalzi's take on that kind of of political sci-fi and if you want to pick up an audiobook of it you can get it for free at audibletrial.com slash geek to geekcast Ooh, good call i didn't even think about that i know right uh-huh. um the other thing that i want to mention is uh in ios 12 i mean since we switched over phones i almost mentioned this last week but I thought I'd save it. The There's a screen time tracking tool that's built into it. And I like it. You say in here that you don't. So I'll let you talk here in a second. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> I like it a lot. Um, it, it shows you not only like your app usage, but it shows you day by day, like how many views in and like, you know, how much you're using each app, how much time you spent in each one, the number of pickups in a day. So how many times you pick up your phone and do something with it or look at it um, and like categories of app usage, you know, averages of all these things like I love data like that about my own life that I can use to like make better decisions and just kind of like know what I'm doing with my time and where my energy is going. I like that kind of info if I don't have to go out of my way to get it, which is why I really like that they built it into iOS 12 because I would love to know my cardiovascular fitness throughout the day, but I don't want to wear an Apple Watch. I don't want to wear a heart rate tracker. I don't want to have like extra software that I have to run and monitor and stuff to get like all of these stats about myself. But if there's a way to do it where I don't have to change any of my behavior, but I just get to find out about myself, like I'm all for that. And that's exactly what screen time does. Like it's just built in. I don't have to think about it. But once a week it tells me like, hey, here's how you use your phone in the last week. And I think it's super cool. You have different thoughts about it, though. I can tell. it makes me feel bad about myself. Um, I turned it on. Like, I actually did turn it on. Jennifer uh, had it on. I, hers was on automatically or for some reason, and mine wasn't. And so I turned mine on just the other day. And, like, today it makes me really sad when I look at it. Like, for this moment, it is 6.34 p.m., and I got up at 6 a.m. today. So in the last 12 hours, four hours and 41 minutes of that have had my phone on on that whether it's in a game or social networking i've had an hour 49 in games which that's what makes me sad like i i I, it's the same reason i rarely look at slash played and mmos is because stuff like that makes me feel like that is wasted time as opposed to doing something productive i mean these kind of idle wasted time is uh, is subjective, obviously, but it's like there's a difference in time, in fun and engagement versus wasted time. And I feel like when I'm on cell phone games like this Marvel Strike Force and stuff like that that I'm playing, that feels like I've wasted two hours of my life. And like social networking has an hour thirty nine for me today, and it's like, what did I accomplish? 
And it's like, I didn't necessarily even have fun doing that stuff, which is my point. Like, it's one thing, like, when that's my downtime, it's my socialization, I'm doing this purposefully. But it's like, today, I honestly don't remember what I was doing with those, you know? Yeah, I do. I mean, I guess for me, I almost have the opposite, where it's like, I see how much I'm picking up my phone for work and how many, like... Even during the workday, I have my phone sitting on my desk where I can see it, like right next to my two main monitors that I'm working on. Right. Because I use it as the push notification for emails because I get a lot of emails and I Uh, usually need to respond to them quickly because of the nature of my job. So I like tap on my phone and I pick it up and like glance at every email that comes through before I like open it up on my computer and respond, unless I'm already in email. But because of that, it, the the screen time is a really good look at how many like notifications I'm getting that are work related and how many times I yeah. pick up my phone for work and like for me those graphs are like so skewed towards the productive side and I'm like I need to chill out more like I need to take more time <laughs> and like check Twitter or like play games on my phone or like just even read like Feedly or something because it's like I look at the graphs and it's like oh wow yeah I I should probably disconnect from work more than I am. I mean, I've told I have, you that. Yeah, I know this. Like, I know the job that I signed up for. Right, I still I, love I it. I do. But it's one of those things where it brings it to the surface, the fact that I get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of emails in a week. And there are days yeah. where I have, like, over 100 emails. Like, that happens probably once a week to me. But now I have the data to back it up, even though I was feeling it before. And something about, like, externalizing that and, like, seeing it, right. I'm like, I can acknowledge it, and it's something that I can act on or at least be aware of whereas before it was just in the background and it was hidden i'm i totally understand that where once it's drawn to your attention it's much different than uh than just knowing that you're doing it's like yeah i know that i'm playing games a lot but it's like playing games playing cell phone games two hours today of my day was like and I know a lot of that was before work, like I'm chilling on the love seat in the in the den, just kind of hanging out with Jennifer while we talk and do that. But it's like, could have been doing something different than that. It's like, that's, that's like I could have been enriching myself in some way, like even reading articles on Feedly, like you said, there are better ways to spend that time where I could have enjoyed it more. Well, I guess that's the other thing, too, is just looking at like with the free time I do have when I am messing around on my phone, is there a good balance between like games and like reading things right because like Mm -hmm. feedly and like even like reddit and stuff will fall into a different category that's more i don't remember what it's called off the top of my head but it's like reading and research or something like that okay and um games will fall into games right so if if games is like too skewed up there or if like i'm not doing enough reading it's another way that i'm like oh yeah i should read more you know in one form or another so i just like it because it brings it all to the surface and i can like react to it and that's I can see that. I can totally see it. I'm sitting here looking at mine, and I'm just like, my, my, my. Like, what have I been using this productivity? Oh, oh my God. It considers an app that I downloaded today called Sticker Pop Productivity. Yeah, that's not. You made a face of your... No, you made a sticker of your face. I got it. I did, and I sent it to you. And it considered that 13 minutes of that app of me doing that was uh, productivity time. So thanks, iPhone. Wow. Okay, that's where we're wrapping it up. Uh, you can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek to geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek to geekcast. Remember, 
send those questions our way. We're still collecting them. Um, we have longer discussion threads on our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. And we also have great discussions on Slack and Discord. And you can go to discord.geek2geekcast.com or slack.geek2geekcast.com and hang out with all of us. And like we said earlier, remember we're part of a podcast network, so head on over to geek2geekcast.com and you can see what all of our shows are. I blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beach. That's Beach with two E's. And I blog at geekfitness.net. We've been Void and Beach with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Hi everyone, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea, and we are the hosts of Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. We are two best friends who love pop culture and talking about pretty much whatever we want. Katie! Yes? Stop thinking about Zac Efron and tell our future listeners what some of our latest episodes have been about. Well, we've talked about Zac Efron. No, get it together, Katie. Fine. We've talked about fan fiction, classical literature adaptations, favorite TV couples, and so much more. So grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice is and download our podcast today. Hi, my name is Joe Hogan, and I'm a geek. And if you're currently listening to this, there's a good chance you're a geek too. So check out my podcast, Geektitude. Each week, I talk with somebody about their geek aptitude. Sometimes I talk to people in a geeky profession. Sometimes it's someone doing something really cool with their geekiness. Often it's another geeky podcaster. But it's always someone who wants to share their inner geek. So join me each week as we come together to geek out about all the geeky stuff we love. And remember, this week, keep it geek.